St. Pablo, the murderous rags-to-riches Robin Hood who blasted the president's plane. Is still beloved as the savior of the people for spearheading medical and disaster relief for the poor. Charity and terror were his legacies. With occasional moments of good parenting and wildlife, join grim historians as we explore for you the surprising complexities of the drug lord, Pablo Escobar. You're listening to grim, explicit histories, grim topics, extreme, dark histories, folklore, and the paranormal for mature audiences. We keep it real. We keep it educational, thought-provoking, like a motherfucker. I'm Joe Woji, and this is Grim. My coat of beautiful motherfuckers, welcome back to your favorite gothic dark place, Family Grim. I am Joe Oji, your voice for no bullshit, fact-packed historical intrigue. My co-host Brittany Smith with historians Ted Sisko and Adam Iezzi. Say hi at info at grimphilly.com. Come see us the next time you are in Phila, motherfucking Delphia, for a live dark histories or true crime tour. GrimPhilly.com. Most importantly, subscribe, turn a friend on, and just keep listening. So for today's material, yo, Pablo Escobar is like a cocaine Gandhi Mother Teresa motherfucker with Coke Island hippos, a perplexing motherfucker. This is. So you bring up hippos, and uh, that's because Pablo Escobar had a zoo uh, during his reign, basically as king of Queen, and during uh, the zoo, like he brought in all these different animals, and for example, he brought in four hippos, like he imported these hippos illegally, obviously, to Colombia, and he had four hippos, and this was like in the 80s, uh, and by like 2014, the hippos had already, you know, basically had... What's young hippos called? Procreated. Right, right? <laughs> whatever. They procreated. They were up to 40 today uh, in 2021. 20, they're up to 80 hippos. So there are now 80 hippos in Colombia. And they're now Pablo trying Escobar. to catch and systematically castrate all the male hippos. That is like... Yo, motherfuckers current. run into them Over. with cars and shit yeah, at night because it's, it's so dark there. They're actually <laughs> they're actually putting money, government money, into castrating hippos. Yeah, there's a... Mm-hmm. Na- National Geographic did a whole Culling special on, them, like, I believe hippos called, right? in Colombia because, it like, it's a whole, like, well, are they hurting the environment? Like, there's there's no natural, like, predators of hippos in Colombia. Is it like, that hard to find a hippo? <laughs> I mean, I, I would figure it wouldn't be too hard. I guess if they're underwater. They stand out. They're a little bit aggressive. <laughs> yeah. They don't attack you if it's a big open space, but like, they don't fuck oh, you yeah. up, though, hippos. But will. I mean, to find you them. You get close and to <laughs> the Egyptians young. were deathly afraid of them. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they were. were. And how do you sneak hippos into a country? I just well, they were little hippos. <laughs> and plus, you're a big fucking drug lord. You can do kind of whatever you want. He also brought in elephants, ostriches, zebras, camels, and giraffes on drug plates. They're not all indigenous to Colombia? Oh, no. 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 Okay. Oh, and, no. And, and the best animal in the zoo uh, was a fucking unicorn, uh-huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> Although I can't verify, yeah, but he brought <laughs> that the story of him stapling that cone to that donkey's head is tr- actually true. <laughs> hey, anything for his daughter. But yeah, so he had this zoo up and running, like at his place, and like twelve thousand people would go and visit this zoo because, like, it was like the first time that they had been able to go to a zoo like this and see animals that they had never seen before. But what gets me though, when he when he built it, he built it just to him, not to make money. He just wanted to do it for his family and friends, basically. 
when you have like two billion dollar a year drug <laughs> income, know you know, you, I, he lost track of what he was doing with yeah. some of the money. They would hide like five thousand bucks and five thousand, five million. This is me talking like Joe Woji, five thousand dollars, five million dollars. They would hide in the rafters of, of different houses. They would put them they, on they pallets would, and would lose track at one point. They would lost. They lost track. Yeah, of they it. would have to take inventory of the money. They lost like what, like two point five million a year in some places. Yeah, like, yeah, like rats, rats would eat the money. Ten yeah. percent of their cash was written off per year yeah. due to spoilage. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what Roberto rats. said. His brother was the accountant. Yeah. 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 At that point, does it just become inventory? Like you're, yeah. you're just a stock Pretty manager much. at that point. It's not even accounting. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a staggering amount of money. <laughs> like. So they made his Hacienda Napoli. They made that that big ass estate. It was on like, what, like fucking 8,000 acres or something like that where the zoo was. They made that a national museum. And, and Adam, the, Adam, and you were telling me that they just, they just shut it down or something, right? No, no. They, one of his other houses was like an illegal museum as well because oh. he used to work with them. No, he like he had down. multiple He had multiple houses so they would just like put random crap that they would find by him like into this museum and it just got shut down by the government because the government is trying to undo the connection of Colombia with Pablo Escobar because they, they think that popularizing It's sort of it, impossible though. Yeah, they're sort of tied together. Point, it's so, yeah. It's, but the government's I mean, really, there's really fucking Pablo Escobar neighborhood. There's <laughs> Pablo Escobar tours that you can do in Colombia. Oh, Columbia. fuck yeah, yeah. Embrace that. I would embrace that. <laughs> well, apparently a lot of Colombians are embracing it. Yeah. Not the government, but the regular well, people. I think given what Brittany, we're talking about, it's probably understandable why the government's tell, like, no. Tell us the term that you just introduced to us off mic. Oh, I had been watching a documentary, um, one of the ones on Netflix, and they were talking about how Pablo Escobar was both a narco-terrorist and he was also a narco-populist. I love that narco-populist shit. (laughs) (laughs) Mother Teresa of cocaine. And it it really depended on kind of which way you were, whose perspective you were looking at it. Because when you listen to his surviving members of his family talk about his good works, how like he would build soccer fields for kids and how he built whole neighborhoods of like houses and, you know, provided running water and electricity. Like those people talk about him, how he really wanted to do good things and how he was a good man at heart. And then you listen to like the government officials and law law enforcement officials. Yeah. And they're like, no, he was doing those good works that he was buying the loyalty of these people so that they would, you know, basically keep him informed of who is going after him. So it's very much everything he did kind of just depends on, on what perspective, perspective that you were hearing. Yeah, obviously, if you were a lower class person who never had a house before and then this guy is giving you a house, I mean, I saw one woman say that like, Pablo was her husband because as far as she was concerned, because he was the only man that ever provided for her. Yeah. People <laughs> like were extremely loyal to him for those reasons. Like he was giving them houses, like jobs, like. That's great. But then, of course, he was like, a stimulus to the economy. If you really think about like all of the ancillary sort of <laughs> industries, fuel, construction, transportation, all kinds of shit. I mean, aside from him even doing the philanthropic work that he did, which, which he totally did. Well, actually, right. I was actually looking into something. There were two contrary arguments to that. One was um, uh, I'm looking for his name right now. <clears throat> It was a guy who actually missed the 1989 flight that he he blew up. Guevara? Yes. Yes. He he missed the flight, and he's like, it was a slap in the face to come home and, like, see his face on the news. Like, look, he built a church. Like, it was, <laughs> and the current mayor of, of the city, uh, where, where he resided, the area. Medellin, or? Yeah. Medellin, yeah. Medellin, He basically has made the argument. He's like, we are 
perpetuating this idea of, like you said, the, like the narcopopulist side of this. Like it's cool. It's you know cool to be a drug dealer. Look at all the cool stuff he did. And he goes, and you're you're not listening to any of the victim stories, right? Because there are over four thousand of them. Yes, I mean he was mm-hmm. also without doubt like a, a terrorist. Like he was blowing up newspaper companies. Oh yeah, um, those people that publish. He got thrown out of Congress because they published his mugshot, yeah. and he was like. All right, where's the editor, Galermo, whatever the fuck his name was? He's like, that motherfucker's dead. You yeah, know? He also killed the guy that oversaw that, the, the case that basically threw him off of Yeah, off of, Yeah, I mean, he blew uh, up. Like, yeah, they kidnapped him and shot him in the head. Yeah, just straight up killed him. And then him. fucking like, Popeye, well, you know well right, his name's not Popeye, it's Velasquez is his real name, but um, for the narco show, uh, he got out of jail in like 2016. I don't know how he got. Yeah. He gets out of jail in 2016, doesn't know what to do with himself. And he's like, I'm going to be a YouTuber and give fucking Pablo Escobar tours. And he would bring people right to the minister of justice's house and be like, yeah, we kidnapped this motherfucker right from this house. <laughs> I shot him in the head. He's Pablo back Escobar's in Escobar's greatest hits. He's in jail now again. Nope, he nope, was out for like, he was that. out for like three years. He didn't know what to do with himself. I'm going to give Pablo Escobar tours. Like what, what do I know most? This, <laughs> I've served my time, but it's weird looking into this. I I ended up cross. I was telling you guys earlier, and you had just walked in for this. Um, I was cross referencing two major articles. One was a 2016 Bucknell University article. It's called "Pablo Escobar: Drug Lord Is a Heroic uh, Archetype," which you can actually find online, okay. which uh, compares Pablo Escobar to the idea of like a Zorro or a Robin Hood. Because many times he's actually. <laughs> And then I found another article, it was a 2009 one, which is completely unrelated, but it was just eerie how much this kind of kind of overlapped. It was called The Robin Hood Principles by Graham Seals, 2009 article. And it basically goes through what a folk hero is. And if you look beyond the fact that like he blew up a plane and, like <laughs> we're all the terrorist parts blasted like, goes, government buildings apart has like a crucifix funded other terrorists with golden guns like he ticks all the boxes like there are there are 12 different terms for uh, what, what makes a folk hero and he, he is every single one of those in one way or another and I mean even on his death I mean it was pretty split I mean you had parts of parts wailed. of Columbia who were very happy very excited yeah, and then 20,000 people showed up to that 25,000 yeah 25,000 and yep. then the other and he was like fr- he was like Ben Franklin motherfuckers ca- like the people carried yeah. him on their shoulders but it was even more like they were crying and they were like viva Pablo and then they, and they were calling to him police Murderers mm-hmm. touching his face, and those motherfuckers, you know, that that killed him. I mean, well, I mean, aside from the fact that they literally popped a cap in his ass because they shot him in the ass while he's running <laughs> away, they fucking shaved him with a little Hitler mustache to like just fuck with his look in the coffin. <laughs> So sad for Pablo. But yeah, he he remains a real. All right. Um, side note there, Joe. But uh, he does remain a very like kind of controversial figure mm-hmm. because he still to this day has his defenders who absolutely focus on all the good works he did. Or well, it's like true crime has kind works, of exploded in the past. I would guess like what five ten years. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. true crime is really big on fascin uh, not fascinating but like romanticizing. The fantastic elements of any kind of criminal, be it and like a serial really killer or Pablo Escobar. The only, it's problem, like, the only problem with Pablo is it's a little bit too soon. If you gave it another like fifty years, yeah, then I'll have at it. It'll but be. I think now since he only died what ninety three, I think it might be just a little bit too soon. I, but I mean, his family is basically any kind of like little Pablo Chachkis you can get <laughs> in Colombia, like stickers, sure. stickers, t shirts. They sell them. Yeah. 
and they give them to these like street El vendors. Patron. El Patron yeah. is a big the and they, boss. They sell them. They buy them off of the Pablo Escobar yeah. like estate. And they sell them. I mean, they their family, and then they turn around, and they take that money, and like you said, they launder it sometimes. But they also have used it for COVID relief. Well, if you look at like the anecdotal evidence, I mean, there's like Pablo parables, kind of like you know, like there's parables of <laughs> pa- Jesus. Pablobles. Pablobles. <laughs> there's parables. Um, back to when he was a kid, you know. I mean, if you look at like what the what the poor say, and I guess he he didn't live long enough to give them all internet access, just to housing, <laughs> you know. So they're not necessarily blogging about him. Uh, it, we, we get a lot of the information from, obviously, like the official sources, the government of Colombia, the government of the United States. But I mean, they're, you know, in the anecdotal evidence about him, or at least tales about him, they say like at 21 years old, he, he, he murdered some dude who was like, a, you know, some evil factory owner that was exploiting the workers. That was the first thing he did at 22. And this is like when he was robbing cars because he never had a real job. I mean, he was just, you know, he was a what, bank robber. He was a car he robber. Did steal like headstones? Clean them and I, resell I, them. Somebody said that to me, and I didn't yeah, read it. I've read that in a couple different spots. He yeah. used to like steal and repurpose headstones. But he delivered his first food, a truckload of food, to the poor at 22 years old, and then at like 24, he goes and like. I, you know, he brings his fucking kids to Disneyland, and and he sees There's the a White House. Of him with his kid in front of the White House. Yeah, yeah because he visits the United the, the States. The White House was for him. Florida, like yeah. And he wanted to be the president of Colombia because he wanted to help the poor. And he said, when since he was a kid, that what his plan was was to take ten percent from the rich and give it to the poor, just ten percent. I mean, it kind of sounds reasonable if you think about it. He's like A.O. fucking C in a way, like Mackenzie <laughs> fucking Bezos All right. of Thanks. cocaine. Right. Well, there's the whole cocaine and like blowing up a plane. Well, you got to put like, the cocaine aside. Because he said you can, that you, Pablo Escobar. You don't do it. He sat his kids down. All right. How would the drug talk be? With Pablo Escobar, if he was your father, right? So Sebastian Barrican, I believe his name is now, but but Juan Pablo, right? He was born as Juan Pablo. He said that his dad sat him down and was like, and he put like fucking eight different kinds of drugs, like like physically in front of him. This is coke, this is weed, this is this, this, this. This is what they do to your brain. Don't do none of these things. These are poisons to be sold basically yeah. to the evil empire, America. And, you know, poison them and then money, you know, poison out, money in. Yeah. It's all about money. I mean, he was he was definitely caught up with the whole idea that America was like an imperialist cesspool of. Wasn't off target. He wasn't wasn't terribly (laughs) off target. But well, I mean, we've meddled in South America. And and I would say, too, like if we look at him, right. All right. So, yeah, he's killed from you said 4000. I read about 3000. I've also read higher numbers too, you know. But we're, you know, we have to flesh out, you know, like 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 what's real because there's a whole bunch of uh, statistics that are there. Um, but let's say you know three, four thousand people that are responsible for dying because of him. A lot of collateral damage too. But if you like compare him to say a government like the government of the United States, he actually acts in a very similar capacity. You know, like if for example, um, who was that 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 guy that was the head of uh, Search Block that flew a helicopter like all up into the middle of the jungle and like like went up and tried to fucking kill Pablo and they shot the uh, the helicopter. Uh, I'll get his name in a minute, but like for example, if Saddam Hussein was flying a helicopter all up in Dick Cheney's face, you know, like what would Dick <laughs> Cheney do? <laughs> the same thing Pablo did. You know, motherfuckers have to die. That was when he, he executes. 
Well, that, know, that's only when that's only when quail executing. hunting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay away from the buckshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot somebody in the face, and I, I don't even think the guy did and, anything. And the guy apologized. The guy that apologized shot, to him. Apologized. <laughs> if you shot Dick Cheney in the face, or I shot Dick Cheney in the face, no, jail. wait, wait, wait. No, I got I got it reversed. Yeah, if Dick Cheney shot us in the yeah. face, yeah. Yeah, we would probably apologize, too. I don't know how you do it. Their, their wings were clipped, and <laughs> <laughs> there's a finite border to the hunting ground. They can get caught in a corner. <laughs> he was excited. I don't know. He had a quail on his premature <laughs> shot. <laughs> and comes around the penis jokes. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't everything. <sighs> Sorry, Britt. <laughs> Pablo Parables continuing, though. When Pablo was a kid, he was so... Poor, as the story goes, he couldn't own his own soccer ball. Not only could he not afford a soccer ball, but like he lived in such a poor, fucked up neighborhood that nobody could afford a soccer ball. They would put old clothes in a in a bag, plastic bag, and kind of like tie it shut um, and like kick that around, right? So, as an adult, what he does, according at least to the people of Med, uh, of Medellin, is gives people the poor the stuff he couldn't have as a kid. So he couldn't afford his own soccer ball. He builds soccer stadiums with like, you know, lighting and everything. When he was a kid, his entire family was almost fucking murdered by this this group. They were, they were like political groups that would attack one another. It was one of these political groups, but he was almost murdered. Him and his entire family, they burned their fucking house down and he was homeless. So as a kid, homeless gives homes to the poor he sleeps under a you know a picture of the virgin mary even as an adult people today sleep under pictures of pablo escobar it's it's fucking absolutely crazy to wrap your mind around having all of the media that we've had that obviously focus on the main thing which is the the drug trafficking and all of this murder that we're we're talking about that we're, we're alluding to and everybody's heard before so we're trying to tell a you know, just the untold sort of side of things, I think, to start with. Well, if you look at it that way, he really follows kind of like a like an Odysseus. And I, I it feels so weird to compare like Achilles or Odysseus to Pablo, Pablo Escobar. Escobar. <laughs> but like he, he makes that move from like defiance to like the like that populist appeal and then moves through to like force and deception, which is and then eventual tragedy, which you see throughout like any kind of story arc like he has this like lowly beginning and he's defined against like what whatever whatever the antagonist in his life be it poverty or the government and then moves through to a point where like he's appealing to people because what he's doing kind of stands for even if he himself does not necessarily stand for what he represents stands for what people are thinking so like a lot of big governments a lot of government agencies hated him and that just kind of perpetuated his mythos. Well, especially the United States, because all of the money that he was funneling from the United States to his country would have been, they believed, better spent in Miami or, or somewhere else in the United States. But it was poison going into the United States, money coming out. And this is unacceptable. I mean, he, he basically disrupted the entire... The, the economic flow of, <laughs> of cash by the billions, not only in South America but also in the U.S., and that's part of the reason why they didn't they didn't like him. He was taking money out of the economic system. Well, he was putting money into Cuba, or not Cuba, <laughs> Colombia, and the Bahamas too, because he he basically they they bought that fucking cocaine island too next to Florida to smuggle. And I, what was the anybody read what the rent on that shit was per month? 
Does it matter? No. <laughs> I, it was, I mean, it didn't matter to Pablo. <laughs> it was a fuck ton. It was, he had so much money. He would just, I feel like part yeah. of the reason why he has all of these these kind of humanitarian efforts is he had so much cash. He was like, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll spend it somehow eventually. I mean, you said it might be a myth, but it's – at one point he supposedly offered to pay off the entire Colombian national debt. I was going to say that, yes. Yeah, it was like yeah. $10 billion. He's he like, if you just leave me the fuck alone, I'll just get rid of it for yes, you. Yes, because him and some of the other, you know, drug lords are basically – they went – they were in Panama at the time, I think, and then they Panama went to – Nicar- yeah. yeah, then they went to Nicaragua, but they were basically in negotiations with the Colombian government because this is after they had yeah, – one of the former presidents met yeah, with him and they, delivered a, a... Is this after they blew up the plane? Not... It was around when they had just done some big terrorist activity, and so they were in negotiations with, like, the Colombian government, and, like, one of the things is, like, all right, let us come back. We'll, like, you know, we won't blow up buildings anymore. We'll pay off the entire Colombian debt, like... It was in 1985. He met with former President Alfonso Lopez uh, in Panama City, and he was like, hey, listen, man, this... And this is where we get a lot of the figures from, because he wrote this down in a letter gave it to the former president to give to the current president who declined, who turned him down. But he said, look, I make $2 billion a year selling cocaine. And I, and there are rumors that he, that he offered to pay off the debt. But what he said was I, he offered, he said, I make $2 billion a year. If you, if you want me to stop, I will. I mean, I, you know, we kind of think that he didn't think that they would want him to stop because they would want a piece of it. But he said, I'll take all my money out of my Swiss bank accounts. I will put it in Bogota and you just have to give me amnesty. I mean, basically, he wanted to be president of Colombia. He, I mean, I don't know what would have run on. But I mean, I don't know what would have. I mean, a lot of the works that he did, I think that they were genuinely he wanted to do them, but he wasn't going to let anybody stand in his way with what he wanted to do to making money. So he would blast motherfuckers to smithereens if they stood in his way. So like, there's this whole dichotomy of complexity to him where he's a. A motherfucker who will kill you without blinking an eye and torture you until he does. But at the same time, he he did connect with the poor and he did want to help. But I don't know if he would have actually become president. Like, how would that have went? Like, would that shit have gotten to his head and he would have been a crazy motherfucker? You know, or would he have done good things or little of each, just like he did all along? He's a multi-complexited, faceted, uh, multifaceted individual. If you go back to the idea of the Greek hero and you look at Odysseus, like he, from the perspective of like the mythological creatures and the gods, he's an asshole. Like he (laughs) he shows up on an island and he's like, I want those sheep, and the Cyclops is like, man, he just fucking stabs him in the eye. So it's like. But he wanted those sheep. He wanted the sheep. And to his crew, <laughs> he was Pablo. like, you're a savior. And it's like, that's my fucking son you just killed. Like, you know. <laughs> so it's like a weird, like, it, it, it depends a lot on where you're looking at it from. You know, it, it, it kind of, it goes back and forth. I mean, for the first time since I taught high school, I, I made a Venn diagram. <laughs> 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 Trying to figure out where I personally stand on this. You're weighing all the options of Pablo yeah. Escobar. And I didn't know where the theme park went. Was <laughs> Is he demon or a saint? He had he made a theme well, I don't park. Know. I mean, he made, he made is he flaunting his money to make more money off himself, well, or is well, he no, a saint he, because he, he made, made a- that for himself? That was that was like let's equate him to Julius Caesar, right? Julius Caesar did a lot of great stuff for the people. I mean, Julius Caesar didn't sell cocaine and, and fucking blow up government buildings. Okay, like, so we have to put that aside. But Julius Caesar did a lot of great things for the people, but at the same time, like I built himself a big fucking palace that was like his own. You know, that was Pablo's Hacienda Napoli. That shit was for him. You know, that wasn't for the people. But it happens to be in Colombia in Colombia today. So the Colombians have that for posterity. So, you know, I don't know. It's there. I don't know how I think about that either. 
I mean, it, it's also weird that his uh, when he finally did go to jail, and I do a lot of air quotes <laughs> with that. The Assassin's oh, yeah. Fortress like that he went to? Yeah, but, yeah the cathedral, the, yeah. Uh, the La Catedral, or yes. whatever. He yeah. built his own jail. He built his own prison. jail. Yeah. Oh, I his like. men. Did it you was, see his it cell? Was, it was his yeah. men. <laughs> cell? Yeah. You call it that? <laughs> it was his men. They just put on a uniform. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. He, he picked his own prisoners. He picked his own guards. He, he put a soccer court in there. Yeah, not only did the facility, his they kids had visited a him every day. A sauna, the nightclub blew me away the most. I love the nightclub. <laughs> it had telephones, computers, fax machines. Like they brought in prostitutes so that they could go and like entertain the men who were there. And now million dollar home. paintings on his walls and in, in what's supposed to be his cell, and he's got like a big old desk that he does work yeah. from. I mean, I think air quotes for the jail is probably the best way to do that, Adam. Well, like, it was a fortress. It benefited him much more than it did Gaviria, who was the president. But he was like, listen, man, I'll give up. Like, it was a way to save face, I think, for the president of Colombia because he was losing this war against the drug lord. And he was like, sure, man. And, and did you guys read what he was actually charged with? It wasn't like blowing the motherfucker's plane from the sky. You know, he, he tried to blow a plane from the sky. That First was, of all, in was a little sky sidebar. Yeah, 1989. With the president on so it. Was, he didn't right, try. So. Well, the yeah, president wasn't try. on the plane, but like a hundred and other ten motherfuckers were on the plane mm-hmm. that, that get down. And I'm just, all I could think is like, why doesn't Columbia have an Air Force One? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is the president doing flying on a commercial airline in the because first they, place? They're not going to have an Air Force One if they let a guy like him basically run the country. They don't have the money or the, or the reach to have an Air Force One. Well, I guess that's what Pablo was banging on. Hey, listen, man, I'll buy you a fucking Air Force One. Would have been next. He had know? airplanes that could fit like elephants on them. <laughs> what they, like, that's yeah, the but that's Pablo. Going. That's not the pre- the president I of Columbia know. was flying commercial. You know, and that's what I'm saying. He was flying commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but so, all right, what were we talking but about? He, yeah, lock well, a drill, right? Yeah, and he stays there for 13 months, like in his. Fortress the castle. charge, like the charge wasn't murder or blowing shit up or narco terrorism. It was, okay, man, I got in a car, okay, and there was some coke in the trunk, and I didn't know that there was coke in the trunk, okay? That's what I'm going to agree profession. to be fined for. Not fined, but, you know, yeah. convicted on. So he goes to jail. I, what did he, I read in one source it was five years, another source it was eight years. Was But basically he gets to just like come and go as he pleases if he wants. Yeah. He made a villa for himself. So on paper they could yeah. say Pablo Escobar's in jail. And there was a two-mile perimeter. The government of Columbia and the DEA were not allowed to come within two miles of that place. So the DEA hated it, you know? So they oh, set yeah. up like right on the two-mile mark. <laughs> And they tapped the phones, but they they faked them out because it was like a different line that was going to some fucking shack and they would bring the guys of the Medin, uh, the Medellin cartel there. So they, they never intercepted any correspondence from any of the, the cartel members. I think it's neat that that is now a retirement complex. Is it? Mm-hmm. That is and they still what, his have, fortress? His fortress. I wonder if they still have the crucifix with the golden guns around it. He apparently built that. He has like a chapel. Oh, tell us about this. There's, there's the a chapel? chapel in the cathedral that is a giant crucifix with a halo of golden plated guns around it. Whether they're functional or not, I do not know. But I think it's hysterical to think that there are old Colombian people living there and that might still be in it. That's like the Iron Throne almost, you know? <laughs> Step okay. up from the Iron Throne. <laughs> oh, man. 
Now, is that retirement home for poor people or is it for rich people? Well, or? Pablo's not in charge anymore. Well, I know, but I mean, it, I'm asking. It had a nightclub and a sauna. I can't imagine just like <laughs> the average Joe is going there to retire. Oh, my God. And it had rooms of storage dedicated to like, this is the weed room. This is the Coke room. This is the gun room. <laughs> when they walk you through it, it's, it's crazy. Um, Popeye. Uh, Velasquez actually is his name, but uh, from the from the narco show Popeye, he, he was in the documentaries too. Like yeah, he, he's yeah he you know if it's a Pablo Popeye is probably going to be interviewed at least once. We'll just call him Popeye. That's easier. Yeah, to remember. That's what everybody calls him. <laughs> Fucking Popeye. <laughs> it would be prudent probably to talk about his rise in crime and financial wealth. So basically, Pablo, he grows up. He always has this sort of socialist idealism doesn't want to work for the man and he winds up being a career criminal in a number of different areas he was a bank robber and people used to get unnerved when he would walk in because he would joke around like he would just walk in with a shotgun or or some kind of rifle and he would joke around with the people that worked there he would joke around with the people that were standing in line but you know of course he wanted some money and then he would leave he started robbing cars he was a little bit of a union organizer in Organized crime, actually, because they would do bootlegged goods that were sort of like underground that didn't have taxes by the government imposed on them. And this is like what his grandfather used to do as well. Um, And he kind of got the idea from that. But he organized the guys that were loading up the trucks for the gangsters into a union. And this is like his first sort of thing. He's like this socialist gangster in a way, sort of. and he makes his first million, you know, by the time he's gone, you know, like like 22 years old. Um, he went to college initially. They don't have like American financial aid like we have today here, you know. But, you know, he, he tries to go and he doesn't have enough money. So he drops out after like two years. But he gets these, uh, you know, sort of roots in helping the people because as soon as he not graduates, but assume, well, I guess graduates to crime and starts to make some money as a car thief. Um, he goes from robbing, you know, cars from rich people that are used to brand new cars. And he learns a couple of things. He learns that people can be easily bribed. He knew this from his grandfather already. Uh, his grandfather used to sell booze, but that he would buy from a distillery and avoid paying tax to the government on transport them in coffins actually hire like women to whale next to the coffin so that he transported around so he does this on a little bit of a bigger scale uh, gets people in his pocket that work for the government um, both police and at the whatever administrative office uh, issued titles to vehicles and anybody that would not comply Brittany what's his catchphrase Plateau Plumo. Plateau Plumo, yeah. <laughs> Silver, Silver lead. Silver lead. <laughs> you know, your brains are your signature. We'll be on this contract, basically, like the Godfather would say. But yeah, you comply and, and, you know, hey, there's something in it for you. If you don't, you're an obstacle and you need to be removed. So this is where that begins. You know, I get rid of you, I kill you, and you're out of the picture. Or you can make a nice little side income from me. So this is where that stuff begins. And when he enters the cocaine business, I don't think that as a kid, anybody is like, hey, what do you want to do when you're you know, a grown-up? Oh, I want to go into co- cocaine business. I want to be a cocaine magnate, daddy. <laughs> yeah, I want to go into the cocaine industry. you know. But uh, when, he, when he does that, he kind of sees it probably as just like the next opportunity to make some money. And it exceeded probably his wildest expectations. I mean, he was literally, him and his cousin, 
running the drugs themselves. They would go down to Peru and buy Coke paste, put it in the tires of like these yellow Renault vehicles and then just cross the border. And what he would do is they would pull over the cars every time that they were about to cross a border and they would put the tags of whatever other country that they were going to cross over into would be. So in Peru, he'd have Peruvian tags. In Colombia, he'd have Colombian tags, you know, and it would look it would make him look like he was a local, a little bit more like he fit in. Uh, he said that that worked for him pretty well. And then eventually, you know, they, they get pretty big and they start to hire other people to transport it for him. They start to bring it into the United States. That's like his big move. And at first, you know, he, like all of a sudden he starts making like two million a day and that goes up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he... Because, I mean, so his grandfather you were just talking about, but his dad was a farmer and his mom was a school teacher. And he, like, grew up outside of this, like, suburb of, like, Medellin and everything. And it's his cars that get him his first arrest in 1974. It's the first time he's arrested for stealing the cars. And did you see his mugshot? He's smiling. Yeah, he's smiling. He he looks really good. He looks like he's posing for it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of pictures of him just, like, smiling. He's like, guy, smiley. (laughs) Like he, he looks like a decent dude. Like, 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 let's forget that he's a drug lord. If he lived next door or down the street and he was like our mechanic, you know? <laughs> well, in the picture on, I think it was the Britannica article. He, he looks like Flanders. Like he's got like the green sweater and everything. Like he's got the like, hi, did know their neighbor? And I, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah, the one. Uh, <laughs> <the> Simpsons. <laughs> Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he didn't have to be a drug lord. I mean, he could have applied himself and been like, I don't know, a nurse's aide, you know? And think what the world uh, would have been there. I mean. A go, teacher, like his mom. Going back to, like, the, the, the hero thing, I think it really took off because the, the, the initial, I guess, the first step in, like, that hero story arc is that he defies what what is the law or what passes for the law, especially when it's unjust and people were like, yeah, fuck this. And this like, is it, Colombia we're talking about. So everything was easily unjust bribed. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, well, I'm going to put him in my pocket. And then he then forms a group of people around him that are like-minded. They're like, we, we like money. We like the, when our, the, the local government doesn't screw with us. Like it's, it's kind of like the, yeah, by the, the mid, kickoff for that. By the mid-1970s, he's got the Medellin cartel like pretty much established and mm-hmm. early on very early on just as a, a, a criminal that was not even into cocaine yet he was so unruffled under pressure he was so desensitized to violence and he wasn't afraid of anything he was real nonchalant people liked his personality but he was unruffled and cool under pressure and i, I think that that's what got a lot of people Hemingway attracted to it. him um was it Carriage is Grace Under Pressure? I think that was Ernest Hemingway when he was fighting in Spain. Hmm. It's, it and I've heard the phrase, but I don't know who yeah. said it. So. But wasn't Escobar is kind of like a product of his growing up. I yeah, mean, it was in Colombia when he was sure. growing up is like back and forth, they're killing. I mean, it's, they grew up in a time period called La, La Violencia. Mm-hmm. And you have liberal, liberal packs and conservative packs. And as soon as the liberals take over, the conservatives go around killing the liberals. And then, it's, or I'm sorry, the liberals take care of the uh, conservatives and vice versa. So he's growing now, up. Which one was it? One of those groups tried to burn his fucking house down. The conservatives, because his parents were liberals. Well, I mean, they did burn his house down, yeah. actually. He grew up in a liberal household. And when the conservatives were in power, they tried to dominate over the liberals and take over. And, and that would make versa. sense because he's socialist. Right? Yeah. So that would probably explain why he was so cool under pressure because he's used to seeing that kind of violence. So violence begets violence. So, Or at least desensitized. You know. Desensitized, yeah. yeah. 
It's also in the mid 1970s. In 1976, when he's 26, he uh, elopes with his wife Maria, who's 15. Yeah, 15 years old. Her parents hated that shit too. Well, they thought that they were like a higher class and that like he would be like a step down. And he wouldn't be on Forbes magazines. Yeah, yeah to tell that to tell that to my <laughs> billionaire list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I From 1987 to so much better than that billionaire. 1993. <laughs> well, he wasn't a billionaire yet. Oh yeah, but to be fair, to be fair he was though. a petty criminal. <laughs> Some weird West Side story kind of set up. <laughs> Sharks and the Jets. <laughs> yeah, essentially, well, like a even when level. he gets money though, like he's just. I mean, he he never works. He's not like the hottest guy, you know. Like, I mean, obviously. Money and power is sexy, and one of those things that rich people wind up doing, they wind up having marital infidelities. But I mean, you know, he he would, uh, God, you know, like he liked fast food so much that he was like, Yo, I need some Mickey D's, and <laughs> he would have a helicopter fucking bring him Mickey D's for him and his guys. I don't see the connection between that and marital infidelity. Well, because I was about to say that that reporter, that hot reporter that he winds up having uh, an affair with, oh, what the hell was her name? Um, she brought him like Burger King. He's like, yeah. anyway, no, no. But but when he stops seeing the reporter that was, you know, like like a supermodel looking reporter and hangs low with his family, she's like, yo, but, you know, you made me love you now. You know, like she was all turned on by him and snitches to the DEA on him. And she lives in the United States, actually, today in hiding because of the death threats that she gets in Colombia. Justified, I think, at that point, yeah. Turn around, like, come on, you, you it's like, <laughs> you throw them under the bus after all that? I'll find her name. <laughs> Fuck me, I can't find her name. Oh, Virginia, Virginia Vallejo. That's her name. That's and just a bummer Virginia. more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but he was smuggling. I mean, once he decides, like you were saying, to move into the United States, the United States market, basically, for cocaine, he's like, I, one of the statistics I saw was 15 tons of cocaine per day was smuggled into the U.S. during, like, the, the height. That was 80% of the U.S. market, too. And he had just broken into the European market by the time they, they get him, too. He basically made the 80s. That's just... Well, the laws had changed here, so the price of cocaine was extremely yeah, high, drugs. and it was a thing of wealthy people, too. It wasn't like today. Yeah. It was more wealthy people that were doing it, so it demanded a high price. And when they burned down uh, Tranquilandia, that was his big cocaine facility Lab, yeah. in the middle of, yeah, 19 labs, I think, there, right? And yeah. Fucking airstrips and 1982, shit. 1982, it was seized that by Lara. That that Never. screwed up the whole cocaine market. Like, and if you if you were a cokehead, you were gonna have to pay a fuck ton of money after that for your <laughs> coke because they burned like like one point two billion dollars worth of cocaine there. Fucked his labs up. There were like twelve thousand pounds of chemicals because cocaine. When you make it, yeah, it's it's refined. I mean, obviously, it's been in the Andes Mountains, the the coca plant, um, the, for a long time, and Andean people have been for a millennium chewing on the leaves. But they refined that shit. It was actually as a little a little sidebar. You know, it was a pharmaceutical company. You know, that made it into what they called erythroxylin. You know, and fucking Sigmund Freud used to do that shit. You know, they were put in toothpaste for kids that. Oh uh, yeah, all yeah. kinds of all kinds of shit, all kinds of uses for it. You know, wound up coming out of that. But um, you know, when you refine it, you use like fucking kerosene and chemicals and shit. And I mean, like you're putting out your you're fucking snorting kerosene, basically. Yeah, you know, pure cocaine is like a brownish, like if it's like a darker tone, it's been cut with a lot less stuff. You're talking about like I mean, you're not putting like 
don't know, powdered baby, put a baby formula into it, stuff like that. It's it actually, in its pure form, it's like a brownish green color. Not 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 a powder. I I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'll have to take your word, your word yeah. for it. Sure. No, I was watching, no, I was watching a whole. I was like, oh, this is fascinating. I didn't know this. I was watching a whole thing. They're like, if you like this Pablo Escobar documentary, well, suggestion. What, uh, my poor girlfriend. What Roberto I was, just, I was like, yo, did you know? What his brother said. What Roberto said was that to, to you got to throw it in the oven too, right? Like you have to put all these chemicals in it and put it in the oven. And it's like Pablo, steps, yeah. Pablo called these guys his chemists. You know, there was workers. But what his brother said was that it was no more difficult with the ingredients that you put in than baking a cake. He compared it to baking a cake, is what he said. Looks a little more complex than that. I don't know. Well, this is according to somebody who was into the industry. I don't know. I don't know. I've never <laughs> yeah, been to a cocaine industry, lab myself. Adam, they're really in good. the middle of the jungle. <laughs> I don't know. I have no hands-on experience. With, uh, with but the one cocaine. really cool thing about uh, Tranquilandia is he had like a hundred workers living there. Actually, actually, he had more than that, but he had about a hundred houses and he had these runways and he didn't want to be seen from like the sky, right? So on the runways, he had these little tiny workers' houses put and all the workers' houses had fucking wheels on them. <laughs> and whenever just somebody was going to land in a plane to take a shipment away, all the workers, the houses were so small that each person could push their own house off the, off the runway. And then when the plane landed, they loaded it up took the plane off with all the coke in it and then they put and then they rolled the houses back onto the runway so it was like camouflage and then all of the rest of it was under the canopy of the of the rainforest that's fantastic yeah Yeah, he was (laughs) he had a work ethic didn't he (laughs) yeah fought him for anything else (laughs) all things my italian mother you know you could have been a doctor (laughs) (laughs) or a chemist for pablo escobar (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm a chemist. Can you imagine the conversation? Listen, we're going to put all the houses on wheels. How do you guys feel about this? Whose idea was that? (laughs) What if it's a really windy day? That guy, they they start moving. (laughs) And they were watching, according to his brother Roberto, they were watching a movie. I forget what movie it was, but but Pablo, during the movie, was like, got an idea. He was like, we need to build submarines and put fucking cocaine in the submarines. And everybody was like, Everybody thought it was the stupidest idea, but this is like the boss, you know? So everybody's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a, gr- that's a great idea, you know? So they, they couldn't just buy a submarine from like Russia or something because people would see that like, oh, okay, Pablo Escobar just bought a submarine. What's he doing with that, you know? Yeah, so they, your casual thing to buy. The I just got so he, he, on eBay. He Pablo brought Escobar. motherfuckers over to build it for him. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, I got to hire a guy from Russia. And then hire a guy from the UK and bring him here and have these engineers build that shit from scratch. And I, I don't know. Did, did you guys read? Did he get anything over? Because drug dealers no, use them today. Story, but he, no. he, he led the path in trying to do it, at least anyway. I didn't see anything, but obviously that doesn't mean. I think last year a submarine was just busted, though, with like 17 tons, 17,000 tons of coke on it. So drug dealers are doing it now, but he had the idea and he had the money to build some fucking submarines. He gave it a shot, you know. I'm still Keep on the house. Do you have to chalk the wheels on the house? Like you said, like when it gets windy, like like, like a plane? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. They're not interested in the submarine. They're just really I'm just, super interested I'm just in picturing the, the aerial view of an entire small village in the middle of the jungle just moving. <laughs> Moving I believe he had like eight, he had like eight landing strips there too. He had a fucked up. And if you think about too, like at, uh, you know, to jump a little bit ahead, when his wife and kids after he breaks out and breaks out, walks out of lock and drill, <laughs> right? 
they fly to Germany. The Germans turn them around and they're like, you can't go anywhere else. You have to go back to Colombia and they arrest them. I'm thinking like, didn't they, why did they fly commercial? Didn't he have like fucking shit tons of landing strips and he owned planes. He used to transport cocaine for other cartels. He was the transportation industry. You know, for all of the cocaine industry in South America, basically. And and, and, and you're flying commercial. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Joe, you have a lot of questions yeah. about the... I have uh, a lot of questions. <laughs> Particularly commercial. Yeah, the commercial the airlines. Of Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> he was training to be president of Columbia. He was. <laughs> Hopefully there's nobody put a bomb on that plane. <laughs> That was in. I guess yeah. he figured he'd had Air Force One though. Yeah. I'm not going to bomb the plane. The commercial plane. Colombian on One. <laughs> Colombian Two. His house, Escobar the one. Hacienda. You know his his Naples house. Or I mean that was report. That was about sixty three million to build. Like sixty three million dollars. That's the how big it that is. That's not a beginning. lot. Yeah. You're well, talking acres of land for that. Yeah, there's dinosaur statues. There was an artificial lake, a bullfighting arena. It's personal airstrip, tennis court. Anything Pablo be out there Tango. singing fucking tango, <laughs> tango and shit. Anything for the hippos? <laughs> well, I mean, the zoo is also there. So, I mean, I guess they did also have, you know, that there space for them. Oprah gave motherfuckers cars. He gave them a museum, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You get a car, and you get a you car. Get a, <laughs> you get a hippo. You get, you a, get a hippo, <laughs> and you get a hippo. The whole neighborhood gets hippos. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it wasn't that far off. I mean, we just go like, and you get a housing complex, and you get electricity, and, and you, you get, get a house. Well, he didn't make anybody pay. Is he cocaine over? For the houses. I mean, that's crazy. He would walk around with the sanction of the Catholic Church through the slums with two priests. Okay. A lot, you know. He would walk around and check things out and be like, "All right, this is what we're gonna do here. This is a fucked up neighborhood. We're gonna do that over there." And he would just do all this stuff in the worst possible neighborhoods that he could find. He would take the worst looking stuff and rehab it. And that's why the people that lived there were like, "Wow!" With the transformation that took place. And you've got Pablo Escobar neighborhood today with like twenty eight hundred houses that he built in this entire neighborhood. Um, everybody always points to like Barrio. Pablo Escobar, which is the condominium complex that has about 450 housing is that units the one with in the it. Mural on the side. Oh, of it? that big yeah. fucking mural, and they keep changing the mural all the time and mm-hmm. updating it. And it's like the it, it's probably the only thing there to see, you know, when you go like to Colombia and so you yeah, go you to that neighborhood. See a guy's house, nah. But you got like you know, it's a massive mural of Pablo Escobar's face, and all the local politicians hate it and they want to change it. And, you know, the name and get rid of the fucking mural, and all the people there are like. He gave us the opportunity for education. He gave us the opportunity for fucking housing. Well, because of all that, in 1982, he gets appointed to, he wins, you know, an appointment as the alternate seat in the country's Congress. So that happens in 1982. So he's now officially like a a member of Congress. He shows up. Columbia. He shows up because if you look at him, right, he's like, he always said like, you know, I'm not a rich guy. I'm a peasant with money. You know, I'm a regular guy and he would wear sneakers and a T-shirt and he would go to like the Congress meetings like that. And the very first time he showed up, they were like, "Nah, dude, but like, seriously, you have to wear a fucking tie. Like, really? Man of the people, man. It goes back to that, like the a lot of smaller areas in France and in Italy and whatnot. They would appreciate a doctor that doesn't look like a doctor. They would appreciate a politician that doesn't look like a politician. And that just extended his appeal. Kind of like Trump. He was a blue collar billionaire. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of ties into that one. He didn't have moving houses on landing strips. No. He didn't have a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, so in 1982. I also don't remember the last time he ran electricity into poor neighborhoods either. That's yeah. true. I'm just talking about the, the title as far as the poor man's. No, I'm not a rich man. I'm a poor. I'm a poor, a poor man with money. That's all. Yeah, true. Association. Very true. Yeah. In that aspect. So, but so interestingly, so it's in 1982 that Pablo is now an official member of Congress in Colombia. But it's also in 1982 that his you were saying um, his major cocaine lab gets uh, raided and seized by Rodrigo Lara, the justice minister. So that's also in 1982. So 1982 is kind of like a... A tumultuous year for, yes. the, for the Escobar. When I threw him out of Congress, basically, that was when they published that original um, So that was, they photograph. published the mugshot from his 1976 arrest uh, for drug trafficking. They got him for cocaine from Ecuador. But wasn't that for, that, that was for drug trafficking? That wasn't for the cars? Drug trafficking. 74 was, was, 1974 was his first arrest for the stolen cars. In 1976, he does get arrested for drug trafficking, cocaine from Ecuador. Um, obviously, he just walks like, it's not a big deal, but he, there is a mug shot for oh. it. So yeah, yeah. In 1982. And he looks good, too, because he's, <laughs> he's a thinner, younger man, actually. And he's smiling. He's got the big smile. Yeah, so, it's, like, it's like the mugshot of Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, so a reporter goes ahead and, and first writes about his, his crimes, and, you know, that's Cano, uh, I think. or So he writs that. Yeah, Guillermo Cano, yeah. Cano, yeah. Cano. And then Lara goes ahead and seizes his cocaine industry, because that's because he's the justice minister. And it stripped him of his immunity, too, because a congressperson would have immunity from extradition. And the government of Colombia had just signed an extradition treaty with Ronald Reagan that was like the centerpiece of everything that he was all about. Pablo Escobar wanting to get, you know, repealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a few things that lead up to because the whole extradition like that was the that was the one thing that the drug cartel did not want like worst case scenario there was getting extradited to the United States because yeah. we would just throw them in prison better a grave in Colombia yeah a jail so cell like in America there were a couple things that happened so like Kano like the reporter that first writes about his crimes like he's killed on Christmas Day um so he's assassinated Merry Christmas yep and then you <laughs> burn know, the offices and everything right? well, they, well the so they they kill him and then you know later on in the 1980s they do blow up the newspaper building with bombs um, so they do that later on. But in 1984, Lara is assassinated. So they assassinate the justice minister of Colombia. He's assassinated. Think, what did they think was going to happen? They kidnapped him first, too. Yeah, they kidnapped and him. And the Colombian, I guess, police or, or, or special forces of Colombia were there trying to get him back. And they were like, well, we can't let them take him back. We'll just shoot him. And that was Popeye shot him in the head. Yeah, so he's killed. I mean, you also have in 1985 the palace of the peace raid so there he pablo helps to finance that whole raid which was oh on the justice ministry yep when he hired was, i want to say m80 because of the you know <laughs> but they were they were sent to destroy m records something. and to kill you know magistrates so like the whole point was to kill judges magistrates and destroy all the records well he he, made he it paid those guys like a million dollars yeah he financed it he made it look like a coup and those dudes yeah m19 M- those dudes had kidnapped Pablo's business partner's sister for ransom for $2 million. So like they were dudes that he was not happy with, but he was like, in the end, like, well, all right, it's, it's an end to a means for business. I'll pay those dudes, you know, to do this and burn my files. 
Yeah, so that happens in 1985. They also accidentally kill the governor of like his the equivalent like of a state. So they they kill accidentally kill a governor, the provincial a, governor. Yeah, with a car bomb because um, they're they were trying to kill uh, Franklin, who was the chief of police in their area, and so. They eventually do kill him successfully, but they killed the governor by accident before that. And then shortly, you know, it's during this time that they're going to Panama and the different drug lords are meeting there to try to figure out how to. Yeah. When what they their met next with steps that, are. Yeah. That former president. And again, in a way that kind of works to his favor because he sees it as like all the people are seeing like, oh, you're you're destroying a corrupt government. So it, it kind of it, again, it just builds his legend more. It's like you. We'll leave out the part where I'm trying to burn my own falls, you know. But you don't like the judges; they they got killed in the crossfire. You don't like the governor; he's gone. Well, actually, he kidnapped some family members of other presidents. Yeah, actually, hold on. Like, so yes, like maybe some of the Colombian people got on board with like killing some of the corrupt judges, but Cano's death was a big deal, killing the reporter, and like that was. But again, what did he think was going to happen? Well, I mean, obviously, you and I know that. Like, <laughs> but he also kidnaps the daughter of the former president Turby, and then the sister of former president Barco, like as in a terror campaign to get them to comply. Yeah. Oh, with, this like, is you definitely know, so. This is no definitely extradition. a period of terrorism that they're. Yeah, I mean, he's like repeal that terrorist shit, you know, or, or rather extradition treaty, and they actually do. Yeah, because it's in 1986 that him and the other drug lords come up with the the group, uh, the extra or the extraditables, um, but they literally declare war on the state. And that's the group. Stallone's new movie. And they were winning, too. Yeah, because if it wasn't for the United States putting money into it and special forces. Because Colombia originally passes it and does extradite a drug trafficker uh, later, leader. Um, but they do extradite him to the United States and that like just... And he was from the Medellin cartel. Yes. So like that's just like they were done. They were like, absolutely not. Like you are not extraditing anybody else so like now it's just out and out war um on the state of colombia as far as like the medellin cartel is concerned didn't he kind of declare it after he was forced out of office he was like you know what if i can do it this yes, is going to be mean, that whole period that whole six seven eight nine year period you after had, he's you had out, your he's chance like, you had your chance absolutely like let's be clear like, he was already legit, but, waging war but yeah. like 1986 after they you know actually extradite one of his, his yeah. me- like then it's just like well, yeah, then screw it. Like, I will just start setting off war, bombs yeah. all over the state of like. Yeah, I got you. It's an, it's an That's when it hits the media and he's a narco terrorist, the very first of them. Yeah. I mean, it's in 1989 that we had talked about how they blow up the airplane and kill more than 100 people uh, during that. So, I mean, these are all escalations. And then Hugo Martinez, he was the colonel who was in charge of search block, which was in Colombia yeah, that was hunting him down. He became like the $6 million man. Pablo was like, dude, there's $6 million. It's yours if you want it, or it's whoever kills you. It's there. So it's your choice. You take it or I'm going to give it to somebody else to kill you. I mean, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, six million dollars. The search block is a little bit later on, though, because like in 1989, not only do they blow up the airplane, but they also blow up. um, They bombed a building, which was the biggest terrorist attack at the time. So they bombed another building there. DAS, D.A.S. They also that's when 1989, when they blow up the newspaper, El Spectador. uh, So they blow up that building. Um, So these are all, you know, they kidnap a group of journalists. They hold them hostage. 
Uh, so these are all things that are happening at this point. And the same year in 1989, a uh, Louis Galan is running for president of Colombia. Yep. And his quote was that if he wins, that he would send Escobar on a plane. He'd be out of there, meaning he was going to extradite him to the United States. Days later, months later, he winds up being shot and killed. So yeah. it's all so part of the is all also, part of the yep. um, all part of his you know uh, terrorism. Terrorism. So yeah, so he kills a presidential candidate yeah. in 1989. I mean, 1989 is when it all yeah hits the fan. You don't want to be in Colombia in no. 1989. No, you really don't. <laughs> I mean, it's when things really really start kind of getting deadly for the regular person living because like these bombs are obviously and it begins to overshadow the yeah you're not yeah. targeting the, the anybody with a bomb static. if you're blowing up a building yeah, you're I mean, going there's a lot of collateral damage. damage you're just killing everybody I mean you know so I mean it's during that time that they finally kind of come up with that agreement with the Colombian government to basically they'll he'll go to jail <laughs> if he has his own security and, and build his own jail yes and that's because where the people of Colombia should not have to foot the bill for this. I mean, he can't, he'll I mean, build I guess it himself. He gave, I guess he gave people jobs. <laughs> he stimulated the economy. Yeah. But it was just a big fortress for him to sell drugs from. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he would so. bring motherfuckers. He brought people in. He he just ran his gang. Gang. He ran his cartel from that fortress that was a prison. Now he's got a fortress with weapons and assassins. His Sicario were another, there. Became another villain. Essentially yeah. For him. And he's I mean, got this secret passages. In, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's 1991 that the Colombian Congress voted to forbid extradition uh, in the country's new constitution, and it's also the same day that Escobar surrenders quotation marks and moves into his. Fortress, new, new castle, yeah, whatever you <laughs> want to, fiefdom, <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call that. So that's when he moves in there, and um, so that's in 1991. That and then there were a couple of guys that stole some coke from him. And there's these stories about DEA agents that had infiltrated and gone to some of these. Like he would have like week long parties at at Hacienda Napoli, his, his his mansion, and they said, you know, just for stealing. Spoons, you know, some of the people that work for him as like waiters or servers, I, you know, the one guy, they, they duct taped him and his mouth shut and they chucked him in a pool and the entertainment was like, let's just watch this guy drown for the next 20 minutes because he stole some spoons. So these guys in the cartel that stole some coke from him, I mean, like, what do they expect? Right. And he's yeah. fucking killing people for stealing some spoons, you know. So, yeah, he brings him in there and fucking puts him in a cell. And what he does, as I'm sitting in the cell, and they're like, we want to talk to the boss. Like, why do you guys got us in this cell? Then they realize that, like, the boss won't talk to them. And they're like, fuck, can I have a Bible? (laughs) (laughs) So he murders them, and he fucking has their bones pulverized, and he puts them on a big bonfire all through the night. And that's when they come in, because they're like, you just just brought people in to murder, you know, into the prison. Like, how more blatant can you be? (laughs) Well, yeah, because why he was in... You know, in his imprisonment, so to speak, he was basically extorting his partners, you know, for money. And he was like, all right, well, you know, you're going to do this and I'll pay like things like that. And so he does. But it's when he kills some of his men in like a drill. Yes. That first off, the officials obviously are like, whoa, hold on. El, like, El Cadrill. <laughs> yeah. El Cadrill. It's obviously at that point that the officials were like, well, shit, this isn't working. But it's also when he causes strife within his own cartel, because now he's started killing some of his own people. And they break away, too. Yes. And that causes him even more trouble than yeah, the government. Because had. there's also in the background of his war on Colombia, he also has 
a smaller war going on with some of the different paramilitary groups that had different political allegiances going on in Colombia in the jungles and stuff. And he also has increasing tension with the Cali cartel because the Cali cartel controlled New York City. And like the whole original agreement was that like Pablo would not go into New York City with like the cocaine because that was Cali. And like once he starts making moves to do that very thing, then he starts having issues with them also. So he's kind of got multiple wars going on on like three different fronts with like another cartel. And he really puts Columbia. himself in that hot water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you like can't and the anyone else for that. You know, it's yeah, all, it reminds me as a, as a world history professor, it reminds me of like the European balance of power almost. And he's Germany fighting every single other power that there is by himself. Yeah, it's very like World War One Germany, where it's like you have that Prussian mindset. We're like, well, we'll fucking take him. Like, <laughs> we got this. And but but he didn't. He didn't. And Las Pep, Las Pepes. What is so that? all right. So what happens there? So so he he walks out of you know his his prison in 1992. So he just walks out because the Colombians are government is like, all right, we're going to move you to a different place. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I don't want to leave my jacuzzi. Yeah. So he walks literally out. he has a jacuzzi. I have a room. waterfall. It's nice. Yeah. So he walks out in 1992. And so this is basically like kind of like the beginning of the end because it's during this last couple, like the last two years, basically that he, you know, so like we said, we have the different wars going on with everybody. And so one of the things that's going to happen is you have the search block that you mentioned, Joe, that's formed um, as a result of the aftermath of he's leaving. Because the leaving, by the way, is like a total international embarrassment and humiliation for Colombia. Like that's just doesn't play well anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the whole idea of making a treaty with him in the first place, I mean, it sort of was a way for the president of Colombia to save face for right. the and world. Like, oh, just walking out. Like, I won. Yeah. I won. Yeah, I got the criminal in jail. Even though it's like, you know, his fiefdom, it looked to the world like something maybe that they could swallow, like he's got control of it. But yeah, yeah so yeah. the search block is created and that is a mix of the Colombian army and Colombian law enforcement agencies working with um, working with the DEA from the United States. They also had British assistance, also Israel helped. Yeah, so there was a lot of different people there. And the whole idea was to dismantle Medin cartel and to kill Escobar or capture him, capture or kill. Um, But that was the whole job of the search block. Um, Los Pepes, though, was the, basically, they were cartel members. His own, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pablo's own cartel members who were then hired by the Cali cartel to basically take down Escobar. And like it meant like people persecuted by Pablo Escobar. That was like what it translated as. And they also worked with the search block. And at first, like people in the search block originally thought that this was like a vigilante group that was tired of the terrorist attacks. And so they were like, yeah. And then they realized it was just another cartel like moving in and they were like, shit. (laughs) But they were also like, but you guys are really good at destroying because they would go in and they would basically do the dirty work. They would go in and destroy Escobar's entire infrastructure with murder and bombs themselves. So like they were basically. It's like, we'll turn a blind eye just in case. Yeah. So they would also. So both groups were working together to take down. Well, the DEA had a lot of issues down there because Mm -hmm. the actual, the locals, even to this point, even with everything that's going down, crashing down around them, they wouldn't, 
they would actually create more issues for the DEA than than help them solve them. They would get false information. They would just you know, done you know nothing. Yeah, because well, and it was you know? a terror program too. Because anybody that was snitching for the DEA, he would make sure to make a big spectacle of it. He would like strip them naked and then carve like DEA in their chest and leave them on the streets. And then he put a price on all of the the heads of every cop. And I, I believe he he the, there were almost like five hundred cops that were killed during that whole thing. Yeah, there was a lot, and he because they also knew that, so they were also using um, cell phones. Obviously, you know, not cell phones as we have them today, but some of the older models. They were basically the trying big to brick phones. Yeah, the giant ones. They were trying to triangulate, you know, location. And Pablo knew that they were trying to listen to him, so he would also have people, you know, just in the neighborhoods call in with, "Oh, we saw him." over there deliberately misleading the search block on like where he was at any mm-hmm. given time. So like they were also assisting him and cause they were loyal to him. Cause like he'd given them so many gifts, like giving so, them houses and shit. Yes. Yeah. So like they were loyal to him till, till the end. And so like they helped him try to. Although you know, at this point it might run more into fear, I think than loyalty. It was very, it was very difficult too with the telephones and everything because he was such, I mean, the dichotomy I think of Pablo Escobar is that he is a family man, right? He values his relationship with his, with his family and they've, you know, the government now has his family. They apprehended them at the airport. They bring them like forcibly to this hotel and he had always told his son Juan Pablo, a telephone is kind of like death, you know, like, like if you're on the phone too long, they'll find you. And like, he told him that yet he's calling them all the time. And this is how he gets busted. Actually. They, yeah. they like, like you were saying, Bernie, they, they triangulate his, his position with like, too long. with like mobile guys from the DEA. They would just like walk on the streets with like these old 1990s style mobile devices with these massive antennas on it, but you know, we're able to track them and they were like, ah, that's where he's at, you know? And his son, Juan Pablo was like, yo dad, we're all right. Like you always told me don't be on the phone and you're calling way too much. And he was on the phone with his kid when they busted. He wasn't talking to like other DEA guys or not DEA drug lures or, or something like that. He was talking to his kid and I mean, fucked in the, you know, they, they put that cord on the door. They blast the door in on him. And I mean, like, like, what do you think he thought? Like he was in there with one Sicario, with one assassin. It was like him and one dude and the whole fucking Colombian army comes in on him. Like, 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 like what's he got? To, what's what what's running through his mind his right then? Thinks. Like he was the part of the reason why it happened. He was telling him to get off the phone. I know, but still that's got to be. Pablo, gotta, I mean, guilt. Pablo, I mean, he, he did. Ex- I mean, he ran to the roof and like fucking whole, barefoot and shit. Too. Yeah, a whole chase and gunfight ensued, and I mean, popped a cap in his ass. Like literally, they shot him in the ass. Though some do speculate that he committed Killed suicide. Himself. Yeah, his son says that. His son, son tells tells the story that he told him. <laughs> his son claims that uh, Pablo told him years before this that if he ever got in that situation, he would uh, basically shoot himself through the ear. I guess to make sure it went into the brain, but yeah, and it was the his. Story gun too well i don't know if it was his gun but it was his uh the kind of gun that he used mm-hmm. but didn't the uh da the one feather in their cap didn't they actually get uh pablo's brother to turn against them yes he yeah. was an informant for the da right he was all right yeah so he but it's dies. crazy because the people if you if you watch the videos of it the people that are cheering they're the soldiers they're the people with the guns yeah the regular people are not nobody cheered. But did you see on the video? Was that his mother that got out of the car? 
and she was like, you know, she's his like, mother, yeah, yeah, she's like over crying. the top crying, obviously, but yeah. but everybody else is cheering, they're high fiving each other. They, they were all the army guys, though. Yeah. They all they had guns and fucking green army guy I, uniforms. On. I would just want. It wasn't the regular have, people. I, I was made, a lot of cheering, I mean, a lot of cheering because it was a lot of army. They do have guns, but I'd, I'd be at that time if I was one of them, maybe a little bit scared that there's more of the regular people that are upset with us than there are us, even though we have guns. But will they try to do something to them that they're they also don't have in their guns. Team? That's true. <laughs> yeah, so he, he dies in 1993. Day actually, before, day after his day birthday. Day after his birthday, birthday, yeah. 44th birthday, yeah. And it goes back to the whole Robin Hood principle. That where That's it says, to die glorious. Yeah, to die, die gloriously, or there's a myth surrounding whether or not you really died or not. Really died at all, or, yeah. you, or at least you died on your own terms. Yeah. Like it's Did you guys like, see the, the funeral that. It's insane. It's just the very next day because yeah. they don't use embalming fluid, so they do it really quick. They they shave my fucking Hitler mustache, you know, those motherfuckers. The search block guys, every single one of them, I don't think selfies were really a thing, but they kind of like took selfies with them. They took <laughs> pictures, you know, group pictures, single pictures, smiling and shit, all the army guys. It's like when you catch a deer. I shaved him a fucking Hitler mustache so he would, so he would have time. that at his funeral. and But at the funeral the very next day, just immediately the next day, the people that were there and fucking carrying his coffin and touching his face and crying and viva Pablo. There are times when you, when you watch that video of the funeral where it's like, you don't even know who's holding the casket. It almost looks like they're body surfing him across that yeah. entire, the, what, what did you say? It was like 20 to 25,000 people yeah. showed up. Yeah. For that? That's what I saw. Folks were actually clamoring on top of one another to open the casket just to touch him. Yeah. Just to touch him. They mm -hmm. wanted to touch Pablo. They keep opening up the lid of the casket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they keep it opening, yeah. closing, opening, closing. And then they pat him and they jump back down. Like, there's no, like, <laughs> Touching you know. his face, mostly touching his face. Mm -hmm. This is before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> touching dead Pablo. Anybody got hand sanitizer? <laughs> yeah. But did I say, I don't, I don't remember if I said yet, but he acted in a capacity of sort of like a government in a way. Um, if you look at the way he acted and the way he retaliated against those who acted against him forget the whole, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of put the cocaine drug lord thing like aside and pretend that that doesn't exist but aside from that if you put that aside if you if you think pablo escobar is let's say a fucking psychopath i would put it that pablo escobar if pablo escobar is a psychopath the government of the united states is a psychopath well, I wouldn't say that Pablo Escobar is a psychopath. I mean, I don't think that that's. Well, I wouldn't either. That's what I'm saying. Well, anyone right. that can't that can turn around and say like, "Don't do drugs," and then turn around and and then shoot a guy just for stealing his drugs, for stealing his drugs, <laughs> and they're like, "Don't do this, kids. Don't grow up like this." I'm, I'm a family. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, I mean, his his son in an interview said that he was one of the greatest fathers anyone can ask for. But in the same interview, basically also said he like said he's the devil. Well, he had to hide and not make a noise for four days with no food. They have $4 million with them, but they're in hiding and starving because they can't walk on the street. They're being hunted. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just such a... Like, There's a lot of complexities. There's like a lot of... A complex guy. It's very... Yeah. There's a lot of layers. And I wondered... A lot of contradictories and, in him. And again, in his legacy. it's like... It's... Uh, what's his name? Who were we talking about previously that was kind of like this? Uh, he's the devil and he's an angel. Mm-hmm. Like... That was, my, that was my Venn diagram. In the same character. <laughs> I don't know. And it, it, there's there's something. Where is it? Robin Hood or villain? I was say so nobody can quite decide. Mm -mm. All right, I'm going to go down the list. Go down the list. Go. All right. Go so 
Um, Your Venn diagram, just so the listeners know. This here's, is my Venn diagram. Right, yeah. Here's Adam's Venn diagram <laughs> so, of Pablo Escobar. I, I, I use the following. I use the following um, criterion. Oh, good. Let us know the criteria. So, number one, the outlaw hero is focused on defying the law or what passes for the law in an oppressive area or impressive government. Is he focused on that? Yes or no? Well, yeah, 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 selling cocaine at times, which is kind of yeah. Uh, The outlaw uh, hero has sympathy and support from more than one social group, which we know that. Yeah. Right. Uh, the outlaw hero rights wrongs and perhaps settles disputes for his community mm. and followers. And they called him the doctor. They called him the doctor. They also called him the, the godfather as well. And, and notice they don't say how they settled and disputes. And the boss. I was just saying, you know, <laughs> they don't say how. They don't say how. Okay. So a little bit of a loophole, but all right. So all right. The, the outlaw hero only kills in self defense or for justified retribution. All right. Well, that's bullshit. So that's no. a no. That's no, a, no, 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 no. I would, oh, yeah. I would, I would, I would go. I would say, yeah. Oh, some, go, some, no. some in, in, in some respects. Yeah, in some yeah I'm respects. going with a firm no on that. It so. says it was. It, <laughs> Brittany's our voice of reason. Yeah. Well, the follow up says <laughs> rather God. than voice of it. morality in the room. <laughs> well, I would agree with Brittany Always. on this because he he towards the end he did do it wantonly and capriciously. Well, yeah, yeah, but at the end, I'm sorry, guys. Like, We're gonna blow up a plane that our target wasn't even on. But at the end, it's collateral damage. Yeah, like I said. Well, then you're not. If Saddam Hussein was all up in Dick Cheney's face with a helicopter. There would be some collateral damage it to get that motherfucker. Your Venn diagram doesn't say all the time about the killings being justified. Hey, WikiLeaks no. has us in Habat- Apache helicopters fucking up some local population. And, you know, <laughs> well, how about least. this one? The outlaw hero may be kind and courteous to his victims. To his victims, no. though. <laughs> I don't know about the victims. Yeah, oh, wait a minute. Wait. As, when he was as a bank banks. robber, as a bank robber, he was. So for it was like sure. young men. What about like during the actual like eighties when like <laughs> when he's known? The shit hit the when band, he was yeah. rocket launchering <laughs> fucking bullshit all the over the place. He bri- the people he bribed, he was nice. He said, "Listen, take the money or I kill you." He was being nice. He was giving it them. Was a it was fraud. just a business it's transaction. Yeah, exactly. Or it's a threat. <laughs> and we know well, it was threat. there was definitely a threat there underlying yeah. the issue. But and we, we know this one. That the, the, the hero uh, disputes loot or distributes loot among the poor because he handed out fucking cash because he sympathizes with their plight. Cash, but she did that on and houses. So many levels. He was better well, than Bob on which Parker. Way you're looking at this, was he doing it out of his own goodwill because he sympathized? Yeah. Just because he, he had a shitload of money. I th- no, but I think like, he, I would argue that he was building an infrastructure. I was arguing that he was, and then it grew into buying loyalty. Well, it was useful in that way, but I would argue that he did it from the beginning before he sold cocaine. Right, it always been about Robin Hood shit, taken from the rich and giving to the poor. How about this one? Because I just like in a metered way how this is <laughs> how this is worded. Because the outlaw hero outwits, eludes, and escapes the authorities, usually with flair and often in disguise. He didn't have a lot of flair, no, 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 and he flair. wasn't in disguise. I just like how that's worded. He wasn't. He wasn't Zorro. No. Hey, houses I mean, on look, wheels. Come on. Houses on wheels. That's flair. I'm sorry. There's a little bit of flair. There's some ingenuity in that. He was creative. All right. How about this one? He could have been a good art teacher. <laughs> he is brave and strong, and if not strong, especially skilled in some ability, well, he's full to outlaw life. Brave. Brave. I don't know about strong. I don't know about strong. I mean, he had guns. Yeah, no. so. I mean, he has, he, he has an army. He'd bring motherfuckers Mickey D's on helicopters. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's what he ate. Rode, um, rode little dirt bikes and shit. How about this one? He's ultimately betrayed by a member of his gang or other supporting yeah, local oh, members. Yeah, there. Yeah. Brother and his own part of his own Without people. Doubt. He dies bravely and defiantly. 
Yes. Uh, yes. Bravely. I but mean, he, he was bravely? running away, but if somebody was... He's sh- running. If I had an entire Colombian army shooting at me, I'd fucking run across the roof, too. Oh, no. You go out like uh, Scarface. <laughs> you just go out there and well, start shooting everybody. Did he shoot himself in the head, though? Or? Which brings bravely? us to the next one. He either escapes death or dies by his own means. Did he die by his own means, though? So that's it's disputed. That's we don't that's know. That's the last one. We do know he got shot in the ass, but... <laughs> they put a cap in his ass. <laughs> They but I, I find that very interesting. He 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 hits a lot of these marks. Yeah, albeit like on a very like f- fucked up and kind of. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> he's a better man than Chuck Schumer, and he's murdered loads of people. <laughs> Who Chuck Schumer? <laughs> <laughs> There's some weird comparisons yeah, I was gonna going say. on in this episode, Joe. And like, look, the first one I was—I thought I was bad like, with the. How about Chris Christie? But, uh, Chris Christie is that better? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he doesn't hand out cash in Camden, though. No, no. It's the last time you've seen. Yeah. It's an awful comparison. <laughs> like, Have you seen Bernie I, I think it's with Chris Christie <laughs> with the mittens? <laughs> with the mittens. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's 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 an interesting look. I mean, he's he's definitely he's got that tragic hero aesthetic to him. I mean, at least to some people. And yeah, not the Britney. Not the Britney. Well, no, no. I mean, not. But I mean, obviously, if you were, if your parents were like killed during his indiscriminate bombings, in oh yeah, that's that's kind of where I draw. Yeah, you're not going to be like, oh, he's a folk hero. I love pop. Like you're going to be like this monster killed by. We love him here in America. That's why we say that he has a lot of layers. There's yeah, I mean, he's a complex situation. He's like an onion. He's a complex individual, and it depends on fucking Shrek. Yeah, he's fucking Shrek. But it's oh, like we, we we love the outlaw. We love the hero here in America, which is why I think Narcos went over so well. I mean, we they, they, yeah, the the Colombians a- also put out a show that like we have since bootlegged and translated, and you can get like online to watch as well. So I I, I wonder how much the romanticism and the mythology around him has painted him as. A little more than he was. A little, yeah, a little more polarizing than he actually was. Because in doing so, and I agree with you know the the authorities in Colombia on this, in romanticizing him and making him mythology, you are promoting the greed basically in another way, shape, or form. Because people are now making money off of him, and on the same token, you're silencing the voices of the people who have the contrary evidence, who have the contrary information, and you you may never hear from those people. And that's where I think it's it's like the the Robin Hood aesthetic kind of falls apart. I mean, we're not talking like Disney Robin Hood, like <laughs> it's with like the fox and shit like that. But it's I think that's like yeah to kind of go off what Brittany said. I, I think the mythology and this this the the loopholes are uh, essentially what are preventing people who should be speaking their side of the story. The families of like the government officials and the folks that were just like indiscriminately fucking blown up. Because well, I think that airplane. they got their say, you know, for a long time, for decades. Honestly, today yeah, narcos ain't about that. Well, I'm saying today it's like sixty something episodes. Not a single person <laughs> yeah. has a say in that. In, in in Medellin today, obviously there's tour guides giving tours of Pablo Escobar, and they're the most frequented tours. And that's, I mean, that's what you see in, in Medellin, right? There's museums, there's wax figures of Pablo Escobar, there's Pablo Escobar fucking t-shirts and, you know, memorabilia and Space shit. Balls action it figures. just sells. <laughs> and it's, it's the capitalism that runs directly against, I think, what Pablo's younger self may have been against, actually. Mm. 
but um, maybe. Yeah, one of the interesting things as a, as a little just kind of you know sidebar factoid, um, when they went among his stuff, they found like fucking self help books and shit. They found the power, the power positive yeah, thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, what would Pablo do? I think is the question. Like under situations, what would Jesus WWPD? do? WWPD. <laughs> what would Pablo do? What would Pablo? Let's do? start making those bracelets right now. <laughs> <laughs> what would Ben Franklin do? What would Pablo Escobar do? Shoot everybody. <laughs> Build houses on wheels. Yeah, build houses on it wheels. would just depend what what the situation was. <laughs> you could take your tiny. Would he hand some cash it? out or yeah. would he murder a motherfucker? <laughs> it could be either one. I mean, when Depends you read about his situation. early life, it, it reminds you of like Goodfellas, the scene where like they jack the truck with all the cigarettes on it and they're just handing them out to people. You know what I mean? They give like the, they give like yeah. three cartons of cigarettes to the cops. Like, Shh, turn your back. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. But later on, it's just like goes from that to like straight up freaking terrorism. Like it's like I don't know what 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 snapped, what flicked in his head, and he was just like, "We're just gonna blow everything." He didn't up. get his way. Yeah, they said no. And he was like, "Well, oh. <laughs> terrorize you into giving me what I it want." It was bribes or it was death, and they weren't going to take the bribes. He was going to kill them, and if that was the entire, <laughs> if that's all, they, there's nothing else to the motto, Pablo. No, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> two, option, two options. That's it. <laughs> we need to print this. Yeah, dude, we got to print this out. That's all we got. <laughs> he was a murderous motherfucker of the cartel. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. King of cocaine. Cocaine Gandhi, as Co- Joe put it. Cocaine <laughs> Gandhi. The mother, motherfucking Teresa. Ben Kingsley cocaine. is not going to be happy about that. And then I think I think to end off with, we never mentioned about the fire festival on Pablo Pablo's Island. Brittany, did you have anything on that? I just had that. I mean, the whole fire festival thing, which is a whole other topic. Which brings that, it into modern tea. Yeah, Pablo Escobar yeah. used to run drugs from this island in the Bahamas that was super close to... Florida. And so yachts and boats would come over to this island like every weekend, pick up their drugs and then bring them back. And Pablo wouldn't have to actually do it. Whoever was in the States would come over and pick those up. So there's this cocaine island and he had this, you know, people put it together there. Oh, shit. Pablo had this and they had a big fire festival. It was well, no, no, no they be, didn't actually have it. But they took a bunch of money, right? Yeah, the whole fire festival. It's like I said, it's a whole other topic that we could probably talk another time about. But to put it simply. It was a flop, though. Yeah, oh, it was a total (laughs) flop. Um, There's a whole documentary on it, Netflix or whatever. Oh, wait. That's that island? Yeah, Yeah. they were going to. They they got all the promoters and the rappers. They weren't allowed to mention that it was Pablo Escobar. (laughs) But they weren't allowed to say. They weren't allowed to say it was Pablo's island. They weren't allowed to say it was connected to the Medellin cartel. scam. It was like a giant, like, They took money for, like, luxury accommodations. I didn't know yeah. that's what that And there was. wasn't enough like sanitation it water was and basic to the shit. Cartel, yes. <laughs> it was it was his business partner actually was the way it wasn't Pablo directly, it was his business partner. But it be, yeah, it was the Medellin Cartel's island though. I yeah. Know yeah. This. yeah. <laughs> they would store weapons and drugs and cash on the island. Yeah. Right off and the of course United like States fire coast. wasn't allowed to like mention that like it was connected to the Medellin and Cartel and everything when they so nobody got to go to that. Like, well, no, uh, well, people showed up. But yeah, like, but they, they it was a horrible time. They, they like, fucking water there was no, no, there was no food jab. or something like that. No food. No. no it was like Coachella no, with like all the bad parts of Coachella. Honestly, I would like the, the documentary <laughs> is pretty funny. Like if you if you watch it, like the documentary. I did not. Good. I did not. It's pretty good. One of my students. I it was Coachella. Informed me of this. Coachella. Coachella. Like Coachella with Coke. So let's let's. And with Pablo's legacy, Pablo's legacy is obviously Pablo Escobar neighborhood. Lots of dead people along with that. So the dichotomy of him is 
interesting, I suppose. At the his very least. wife and uh, his son, they go ahead and they get out of Colombia. They Argentina. settle. They finally settle in Argentina. Yeah, they changed their names and tried to trade, but they tried to trademark his name. And there's a Pablo Escobar clothing line that his son began as well, and that does pretty well mm-hmm. in South America. A lot of yeah. wrote a book. Uh, his son wrote a couple books, actually. Father Pablo Escobar. Is That's what it's the 2016 called. one by his son. He also has. Oh, his and he's brother, a guy of peace. He goes around. He lectures about peace and which things is like funny that. because his initial reaction to hearing his father getting killed was like, "I will rain down fire and brimstone but upon all of you," and then immediately to be fair, yeah. he was on the phone with his dad when his dad was killed. The reporter called him. He says 15 minutes later, and says to him, "Your dad just got killed. Now that you know that, how do you feel?" He yeah, was like, what sure. the fuck? <laughs> and, he, and what he says now is that, he, well, you know, I was told and then immediately asked how I felt. <laughs> how old was his son when he died, though? I don't know, but he was he an adult. He wasn't that old. Like, he, no. he had a girlfriend, though. 93, so, his son was born 70, late 70s? I don't know how old he was. He was, like, seven years older than his sister, I think. Um, so I think he was, like, maybe, like, 12 to 14. I want to say within that yeah, age I was going to say, he had to be, like, 14, 15 years old. So... That's a response coming from a, a kid, yeah. child, not a child. And they were going to kill man. him because yeah. the, the Cali cartel said, uh, you know, to his mother who negotiated with them, you can live, Manuela, the, you know, the daughter can live, but the, the son, oh, oh, I think he was 16. I believe he was 16. Um, he has to die. Yeah, because, because he'll just, have retribution yeah. on us. And uh, Juan Pablo, the son, took a meeting with them and they were like, dude, take the meeting because yeah, you're, you're, you're a dead man walking. Though They will get you. Your only chance to live is actually to negotiate and just yeah. go. You might not ever leave that meeting. No. But go. But at least give yourself a chance. And he says that they had to agree to give every single fucking thing they had, like the art, the fucking cars, everything that they could get their hands on. They had to relinquish to them. And so he kind of started all over again. In Argentina, um, but he but he's alive. You know, and he's met with like 150 different families of victims of his father to apologize. But he was young, obviously, when this is happening, yeah. and he didn't do it. He was just like growing up in this compound with fucking bodyguards all the time. You know, no kids to play with, and you know, his dad might have given him some little good nuggets of advice, but like he had no kids to play with and not much of a of a childhood necessarily. You know, but apologize for what his dad did, yeah. but. But says his dad's side of the humanitarian stuff, along with like the terrorism, the narco terrorism stuff, too. If you're digging on our mature audience, fact packed, no bullshit concept in education and darkness, please do leave us a review. It helps us more than you may realize. We have a Patreon, we have live tours in Philadelphia. Check us out, grimphilly.com. Hit us up at info at grimphilly.com if you want to talk to us. We love every motherfucking one of you. It is our pleasure to keep bringing you educational, dark histories and true crime content. And thank you for your humble support. Please subscribe, tell a friend, and just keep listening. Until next time, keep it grim. Comes from here.